All right, Psalms 84. The psalmist said, How amiable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts! My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young, even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my God, my King and my God. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house, they will still be praising thee. Selah. The verse 9. Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. And I want to direct our attention to verse 10 tonight, because he says, For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Let's pray tonight. Lord, thank you for this place and the many that serve here. Lord, I pray that we would find our place here, that we'd be faithful, not just in our attendance and support and our giving, Lord, in our cheerfulness, but Lord, also in making what happens here happen. And Lord, thank you for the many that do, and I pray that we'd always have the right kind of heart and spirit as we serve you in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Psalms 1 depicts a pilgrim who is going to the temple. And Brother Jesse mentioned this in Psalms chapter 24, very similar circumstance. Here's a man who's approaching the temple. Commentators suggest that this man was a gatekeeper who was on his way to take his post and relieve maybe someone else who was a gatekeeper. And so they're, they're, they're taking turns, they're switching places. Um, God in the Old Testament related to believers in a very different way than He does today. It was a different dispensation, it was a different way of worshiping Him, and I'm grateful for some of the changes that have been made. Um, the temple that this man would have been approaching, and the center of it was where believers worshiped God, and it was believed to be the Holy of Holies. In the Holy of Holies there was only one furnishing, it was the Ark of the Covenant. And God was said to be enthroned above the cherubim that were on top of the Ark of the Covenant. The Holy of Holies, this is, this is an incredibly special place. Um, only once a year on the Day of Atonement did the high priest get to go into this sacred place. And when he did so, he did so all by himself. And no one else got to go with him. Nevertheless, because God's people recognized the Holy of Holies as God's throne, the temple represented the invisible um, presence of God on earth. And so they looked at this place as like, that's where God dwells. Like, we know He's in the heavens. We know He made everything. But, but when we get close to this place, it's special. And, and God is, is present there. To enter the temple, to be close to it, to be around it was to be close to God and to be able to fellowship with Him. And it was there at the temple where they worshipped Him and they performed their offerings. And so in verses 2 and 3, as this man approaches the temple, he begins to feel this excitement in his heart and it begins to build. And he has this yearning because he knows in that temple and in that place, it's where God dwells. And he describes the tabernacle as amiable. In the word, it means lovely and beautiful. And so here he is on this pilgrimage and on this journey. And, and for sake of time, I won't go into all of that tonight. But he gets close and as he begins to see the temple. And he's endured some hardships. He's left some difficulty behind. And the few verses we didn't read between uh, the verses that we did read. He's had some difficulty behind him and he finally gets there and he sees it on the horizon and he gets excited. 
and his, his heart is, is beginning to, to beat harder. And he says, how amiable, how lovely, how beautiful is your, is, your, is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. And then he sees as he's watching it, a few birds fly out of the eaves of the temple. And he has this twinge of envy that begins to pop up in his heart as he thinks about the fact that the birds have a home in the temple. They get to be here all the time. They feed their young there. Like, they never have to leave. And he thinks, how cool is that? That the birds get to be there all the time. And I kind of wish that I was like one of those birds just getting to be close to God all the time. Why was the presence in that place where God dwelt such a big deal to him? Well, first he knew and understood that God's blessings are found in God's presence. Verse 4 says, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. To be close to God is to be close to the source of all blessing. And he knew, if I can be close to God, if I can be around him, I'm going to be blessed as an individual. There's just, there's a goodness there and there's a blessing and I want to be part of it. But I think the other reason would be simply that this man had a heart for and he loved God. He says in verse 10, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. But then he writes this phrase, and I want us to focus our attention on it. He says in verse 10, I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Psalms 84 is believed to be written by one of the sons of Korah. The Korahites were gatekeepers in the temple. Many of them were probably musicians as well. The gatekeepers were guys who served behind the scenes. They had rotating shifts on all four sides of the temple. And their main duty was to guard the temple gates, to keep it safe, to, to keep people from intentionally or maybe even unintentionally violating or profaning uh, that area, maybe even being blasphemous towards God. And they had a lot of responsibilities, responsibilities like charge of the keys, so these would be the guys with the big key ring, you know, hung on their, on their belt loop, jingling around. I mean, they're taking care of things and the property, and they, and they were responsible for that. They also kept watch over the treasury and the money that was, that was placed there, and they, and, they, and they stewarded that, and they collected it, and they took care of it, and they locked it up. They stewarded various articles and supplies that were genuinely needed for worship. These guys took care of the place because it needed to be taken care of. The temple did not, and the temple could not, function apart from the service of people who love the Lord. Now, I've already stated this a moment ago. We live in a dispensation, different dispensation, and I understand that this facility tonight is not God's tabernacle. There is no Holy of Holies here that you know of. <laughs> we keep it a secret. <laughs> Um, there's no Ark of the Covenant. There's no cherubim. Okay, I, I, I get all that. But there's a principle here. In, in the same way that the temple did not and could not function apart from the service of good people, physically, mechanically, our church cannot and will not function apart from the service of good people who love the Lord too. See, we have something meaningful and extremely valuable here. And it's valuable because you're here, because you're present, and your loved ones are present. It's something that's eternal, and it's special. And, and what takes place here follows us in the life to come. 
the sacrifices and the love and the, and, and the support and the fact that we're doing life together and we're inviting others to do life with, together with us to serve God and to please Him and to enter into eternity in a special way. It takes money, though, and it takes time, and it takes incredible effort to make this place work. There is an incredible amount of preparation and organization and setup and cleanup. Just for tonight's service, the floors had to be vacuumed and hymn books and guest cards set straight, trash picked up and items put in lost and found, and lights turned on and air conditioning made to work and light bulbs changed out and bills paid and cameras purchased and turned on and nursery workers in their place and check-in systems functioning and study behind the scenes. And, 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 and I, I could just fill volumes of all the things that took place by hundreds of people to make tonight happen. Just, just tonight takes a lot of effort. Just as service in the temple made the temple work, service in the church makes the church work. Someone has to do these things. But there is always a danger with service. And the problem is this. In our service, and for those of you that are serving, service can become stale. And anyone who's done it for any length of time knows that. And if you were to ask Kathy Lawson up there who said, I've worked here for 40 years, if she's ever had stale moments, or maybe myself would be a better illustration, um, there are those moments where it can become stale. You can be active at church, we all can be, and inactive in the very gospel and principles taught at the church. So here I am doing my part, and here I am serving, and here I am active, and I'm doing it week after week after week, but somewhere along the line something happens, and there's a disconnect in my heart between what I'm doing and who I'm serving, and the motivation for which I'm doing it. See, church going and church service is not synonymous with spirituality. Being good sometimes isn't good enough. There are some who attend church less or not at all, who in their attitude and behavior can be more Christ-like than the very people who attend church and serve there. Just because we attend and just because we serve doesn't make us spiritual. We can get so busy with church worship and projects that we can become insensitive to the pressing human needs that surround us. It's easy to forget why we do what we do. And when we forget, we lose our motivation and we lose our heart. The strongest of people and the best of Christians can and they do wear out. Isaiah said it this way, even the young men the, the, the men who have the most endurance and strength, he said, even the young men, they grow weary and they faint. And there are seasons of life and ministry where we need to genuinely take a break. And that's healthy and it's good for all of us. But it needs to be just that, a break. In the Christian life, there needs to be resilience and resolve in our, each of our hearts that we are going to continue serving the Lord. Okay, I took a break, I, kept, I regathered my strength, and now I'm going to press on. And Paul said it this way, I'm not letting up. I'm reaching forth unto those things which are before. He said, I press, I'm moving, I'm going this direction toward the park of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And there needs to be a determination and a refusal in the hearts of the members 
and attenders of Eastland Baptist Church that we are not going to let our service to God in this place become stale. It's going to be fresh and made fresh again and again in our hearts. See, we need both the awe of God and we need hands that serve Him faithfully. Doorkeeping for the sons of Korah was uncomfortable work. It was work that often required that you be on your feet for long periods of time. And it was fatiguing. These men were often exposed to the elements in their service. It was often a position of obscurity, behind-the-scenes work where no one saw what they did, and there was no camera to capture it and present it to us. One could argue that there were moments of drudgery and even discouragement. And the psalmist here could have lost his purpose. And I will tell you, most of his contemporaries, they did lose their purpose. Read the rest of the Old Testament. Eventually, all of Israel was conquered. The house of God that this man was in such awe of, that the choir sang about tonight, it was burned, it was destroyed, and it was torn down. And you say, why was it burned? And why was it destroyed? And why was it torn down? Because people stopped serving with the right heart in that place. But the psalmist found contentment and he found joy serving behind the scenes and in the role that was assigned to him. How did he do that? Well, to him, there was purpose and fulfillment in the work he did because he understood and valued who he was doing the work for. And so as we come into this place, and and again, I understand that this building is brick and, and sheetrock and, and electri- electrical components and things. I get all that. It's not the tabernacle like the Old Testament. But it is special. And it allows us to do what we do here. And it's important. And it, and, and it has value. And when we serve in this place, we aren't just serving man. We are serving God. And we need to remember who He is. And that needs to be our motivation. And we too easily take him for granted. And so there was this moment in time where Isaiah had an encounter with God. And Isaiah knew who God was. He'd been around uh, the teachings of God his whole life. But he had this moment of exposure. And in this moment of exposure, he, he cried out three words. He gets this exposure to God and he goes, woe is me. Like, here's a guy who loved God and served, served God. And he gets this exposure to God and he just goes, whoa. Like, woe is me. He says, I am undone. He says, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And in that moment, in his exposure to God, he said, wow, he's so much greater and so much more special, so much more holy than I could have ever dreamed or imagined. David, in Psalms 8, said when he sat, and he said, I I considered, verse 3, thy heavens, And I thought about the work of thy fingers. And I gave consideration to the moon. Like big thoughts here, right? I was thinking about the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. And he says, in in light of all of that, he says, what is man? That thou art mindful of him. And the son of man, that thou would visit him. O Lord, our Lord, he says, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And it needs to be stated again that those who lose the reason for their service will in time become tired. They will become worn out. They will become disillusioned and eventually quit with a bad spirit and a bad attitude. 
And we need to remember as we serve, it's a privilege. And we get to, we get to serve God. We get to be around his people. We get to be in this place. And it's special. Tonight, the challenge is simply this. We need to love God. But beyond that, we need to be in awe of him. And we need to combine that with our service to him. So, so Lord, as I serve you, and, and, and I serve maybe in a, in a way, I'm up here late at night, no one sees me. No, one, no one's watching. Like, no one, no one even knows what I did in this area of ministry. And I, and I, and I served this family, and I did this thing, and, 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 I, and I do it every week, week in and week out. Lord, I just want you to remember tonight, I, I'm doing it for you because I love you. And I stand in awe of you. And, and here's a man in, 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 in Psalms chapter 84 who, who, who got close to God and he had a position there and he got out his keys and he brushed up his, brushed, got his hands rubbed together and thought, okay, here we go. I get to serve the Lord again today. How amiable are thy courts, O Lord of hosts. I envy the birds because I get to be here for a short amount of time and serve you, but they get to be here all the time. And that was his spirit. And that was his heart. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Some of us here tonight need to get involved. Like, this is a special place. It's something that's eternal. It lasts forever. And you need to be part of something that's bigger than you. There's nothing bigger than being involved with service to God and His people and and His church that He died for and He loves. Both formally and and informally, we need about serving others. But then some of us just need to realign our hearts tonight and our passion for God. We need to reassess our motivation, not to stop the work, but to freshen up why we're doing what we're doing. Because how and why we do what we do, it matters. We need to serve God with the right spirit, and we need to serve Him with the right heart. There's a book our staff has read many times, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. It's one of the first books that I read when Brother Hardy was here and I was interning, and he made all the summer interns read it. This was years and years ago. And it, There's these two paragraphs in here that have stuck out to me to the course of my ministry. And this man says this, he says, in the church-centered life, which I would imagine would, I hope, define many of us. He said, image or appearance can become a person's dominant consideration, leading to hypocrisy that undermines personal security and intrinsic worth. Guidance comes from a social conscience. And the church-centered person tends to label others artificially in terms of active and inactive, liberal or conservative. He says, because the church is a formal organization, and and, and you understand what he means by that, not the church that Christ died for, but there is a part of the organization here that requires requires administration and effort. He says, it's made up of policies and programs, practices and people. It cannot by itself give a person any deep permanent security or sense of intrinsic worth. But living the principles taught by the church can do this. We have to be careful here in our service because it's important. The temple couldn't function 
without people doing their job. And our church can't function without people doing our job. But we've got to be careful that we don't allow our service to become obscured and our motivation behind what we do. We need to live out the principles of God's Word in a love and in an awe of Him. If all we do is work and we lose our sense of who we serve, then in the end we have failed. Jesus said this, inasmuch as He's done it unto the least of these, my brethren. The king's going to say this one day. He says, you've done it to me. So, so the work that we do here, it matters. And the Lord notices and He says, hey, hey, do it with the right heart and spirit. I'm taking notice and you've done it unto me. So tonight we need to come to God with all in our hearts fresh. Say, God, I'm here to serve you. Make a difference, not because there's just a need. Sometimes being good isn't good enough. We need to do more than that. We need to love God. We need to stand in awe of God. And then we need to yield our bodies as living sacrifice and say, okay, God, here's my hands. And here's my service. And what can I do? Where can I be involved?